the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K Show. It is Friday Eve. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Jesus, indeed, for the courtroom drama that we got to enjoy today out of the ATL. And let me just tell y'all, we have a saying in the South, and let's just say Fannie Willis showed her butt, as we like to say in the South, and got a good friend of mine, your favorite legal commentator, legal and political commentator of the Andrea K. Show, Tom DeBacar, will join us in just a second to break down all the yummy analysis of today's courtroom theatrics. Before I bring him in, here's my partner uh, in crying every night of the week with me. It is DJ Sesame Broccolini. It's Thirsty Thursday. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. And um, I don't I, I don't even always know all the different connotations for why people call somebody thirsty. Um, but let's go with this one. Um, it looked at least like her boyfriend, Prosecutor Wade, looked like he was getting sweaty on the stand. He looked like he was thirsty and needed some water. <laughs> I got to bring in Tom DeBacaro and get his take, his legal take, his political take, and just his uh, viewers' take of the theatrics uh, that took place in the courtroom today. Hey, Tom Dell, welcome back to the Andrea Kay Show. Always great to be on. You know, there's a phrase out there, a something show. But I'm not yeah. going to say that. But I got, <laughs> I got, I got to tell you, as someone who spent, you know, more than a couple of days in a courtroom, uh, I saw the face of the judge a couple of times. And when a judge looks like that, says the things he does, he's not liking you. And uh, he did not look like he believed Fannie Willis. Now look. The standard here, as outlined by this particular judge for this particular moment, was conflict of interest or, and this is a wide open freight train through it, an appearance of it, which means that you don't technically have to violate it. Now, what we find out today, well, this, this interesting, I can imagine, you can imagine this should be a soap opera. You can imagine late at night her saying to him, now you just go on that stand and you tell him that I paid you back cash for every one of those trips. (laughs) 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 I'm being dead serious here. So, Oh, this was, Oh, absolutely. You could totally, you could totally see that. Just read that. That is what that was the pillow talk that was going on. And let me tell you, I haven't seen this level of courtroom drama since Judith light played the prostitute in one life to live back in the day. Okay. When she had multiple personality disorder and found out she'd been hooking 
on i mean that's the last time i saw this kind of courtroom drama and that's a true soap opera story line um so i'm yeah, glad so, you talked so here, go ahead here so here's what we know and here's why she's she's in huge trouble she apparently misled the judge lied to the judge as to when this did at least if the other person is to be believed you know really about white karen are we talking yeah. let's okay so let's back up a little bit because one of the key moments of today had to do with when this relationship started and yeah. so um and so they bring in her a, a, a former friend uh to testify as to when this relationship started and it's a short clip and we're going to play this clip uh, and then we'll continue the discussion with with uh, Tom. When I ask you personal, do you take that to mean romantic? Yes. And do you understand it that their relationship began in 2019 and continued until the last time you spoke with her? Yes. Now, I didn't get to see this play out because I wasn't watching at that moment. But evidently, this gal looks like she's being called the White Karen. And then uh, Fannie Willis came back later on in the day, Tom Dell, and said, I don't know what she's talking about. I don't consider her no friend. I ain't talked to her in at least a year, right? Yeah. Which, look, which is hardly important. Hardly important in the sense of saying, "Oh, I don't. She's not my friend anymore." Well, not after today. <laughs> she ate. <laughs> we we get that. The problem for Fannie Willis is, at the very best, the best way you can color today for her is to say that she was hiding the relationship by paying him in cash. That's her best day. Her worst day is. The judge finds Wade to be lying about that and her going along with the lie, in which case she would be disbarred. There's no, like, good outcome for this. You can't, she can't say, uh, well, yeah, I paid him back in cash. Really? So let me get this straight. You hired someone you were – continued with someone who you're in a relationship with paid him even though he's not qualified compared to others, paid him more than the qualified people. You were having a relationship with him, didn't disclose it to anyone, took these trips and in order for those trips not to be discovered by anybody, you paid him in cash. Now, why didn't you want them discovered? Because you knew it was a conflict of interest or would look bad. Isn't that true, Miss Willis? So well, I certainly wish a- you were doing questioning today because it was, it, it, you know, a, a merchant really was not on top of her game and, or anybody's game, in my opinion. Um, yeah, so this but- is, she should be, she certainly should get off, be taken off the case. He has to be taken off the case because he basically admitted he was committing IRS fraud by listing these as expenses, but taking cash back for them. Well, speaking of the so- cash. Speaking of the cash, let me ask you this. One of the things that people picked up on is when there was discussion of cash and and she's like, well, where'd you get this cash? And at one point, Fannie Willis says, well, when I, I took a bunch of cash out of my campaign and kept it. <laughs> yeah, that she doesn't help that, either. 
Yeah, which is, by the way, a felony. Let's talk about some of the disrespect that she displayed today. I have watched a whole lot of courtroom stuff in my day. I started becoming obsessed with true crime stories back when I was a kid and have watched everything from Diane Downs trial to David Westerfield and Alec Murdoch and all the rest. The only one I never watched was OJ. And I have never in my life. You were too young, huh? Uh, well, I, I was launching my sales career at the time, and I, I can't just go I with the too young thing. Go with the you. too young. Thing. I can't go. I can't. I can't. I recall ever seeing that level of disrespect shown in a courtroom, let alone by an officer of the court. And I'm shocked by the way the judge tolerated it. I do have a clip to play um, that that does show him trying to deal with her a little bit. But I, I want to play this and, and then discuss uh, a, a little bit uh, of what went on in the courtroom today. Sesame, if you can play the first clip in the stack. This is going to be my first time out to caution. We have to listen to the questions as asked. And if this happens again and again, I'm going to have no choice but to strike your testimony. So we need to break this down. This merchant's question, I believe, was uh, asking whether you lived anywhere other than South Fulton. I did not live anywhere but South Fulton, Georgia in 2020. That is before I began my prosecution of this case. Uh, it, 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 she still go. I, I had to cut it off because she, she continued still, to do the very thing that he told her not to do the entire yeah, day, judge the entire day. Judge. Yeah, but but he said it, but then he didn't follow through with it. Why did no, he no, allow no, no. her? Because he allows her, he gives her the rope to hang herself. Uh, and, I, you know, that's a terrible analogy, but you you let them, but we've used it over the centuries, uh, perhaps inappropriately so. He let her show her true colors. Whenever a judge says to a witness, you're not answering the question, that really, that's the, like, other than outright lying and getting caught with a lie, that's the worst thing you can do because if you're explaining, you're losing. She was explaining. She didn't say, no, I didn't live there. She said, the only place I lived. There is a difference. She could have stayed there overnight in her mind. So, but really what you saw from this judge was him assessing her, the virulence with which she defended herself over the line. Guilty people don't need to yell. Guilty people don't need to be accusatory. I mean, innocent people don't need to be accusatory. So she looks guilty. She is caught in a lie. She's going on vacations and paying in cash. So now it's up to the judge to say, you're off the case. Will he actually do it? I don't know this judge, but certainly there's enough evidence now. And it's interesting that he said, I need a record. What he's saying is, be, I want her under oath so that it's on paper if I do this. I've got another clip I want to play for you um, because I, it, it, she says she's not on trial, but is this a trial or not? So I want to play you this clip and then and, and have you explain to us um, what this proceeding really is. Sesame, if you can play uh, the second clip in the stack. Your office objected to us getting um, Delta records for flights that you may have taken with no, Mr. Wade. Well, no, no, no. I object to you getting records. You've been 
intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. Wow. First of all, it's incredibly disrespectful. But if this isn't a trial, there's it's still a legal proceeding. And does and does this attorney not have the right for disclosure and subpoena records? I'm confused. Well, this is this proceeding is part of the broader case. And what the judge overseeing the case is saying you cannot personally profit off of your employment for the state of Georgia. And and because that potentially, as the judge says, demonstrates a bias that you're doing this for a reason other than the fulfillment of your duties to uphold the law. And so how does she, though, right, so, but, and my question is this, how does she say, well, I'm the one who objected in giving those records, because you're personally hurting people, like, does she have the right to control disclosure process in the state of Georgia? No, that's why they came out. That's her attitude, that I get to do whatever I want, and you can't, you can't attempt to, to hold me to account, or you can't look into this. That's certainly her attitude. But where that happened there today, because she lost that argument in the judge's mind. The judge wants to know whether justice is being pursued or vacations on the Georgia State dime. And clearly, the Georgia State dime and the federal funds paid for vacations. She hired the guy who took her on vacations. You can't you can't <laughs> sugarcoat that. Period. No. It, it I, I do a lot. I do love the fact that she said at one point in the trial, "He's my first choice." And it, it, I don't know if you saw her say that about him when he, she was questioning as to his his qualifications for. Well, I didn't even want him in the first place. I mean, it was just <laughs> that was that was reminded me of uh, Legally Blonde. When the guy at the end of the trial says, what's your boyfriend's name? And the boyfriend stands up and and says, how could you say that? That's exactly what that reminded me of. I mean, what she she, did she. Yeah. Did she not? It's one of my favorites. Did she not just disqualify herself by coming across as like the least competent person to ever grace a courtroom? Well, she didn't uh, comport herself in a dignified manner. And the evidence is against her. She does does have improprieties going on. She does have a conflict of interest. She did profit off of this position, and that's a that's not the pursuit of justice. She's making money off of 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 this case. You can't have someone trying a case. No. A, a, look, I try cases. I make money off it, but I don't take federal money. And, right. and go on vacations and lie about it by paying it under the table. Right. And on top of it, one of the things that the disrespect is so uh, upsetting for, and then I'll let you go, is because, you know, when, whether it's, uh, d- you know, district attorneys or, or federal crime, when it's the state versus so-and-so, you know, they're representing the people. This yes. is somebody who's who's prosecuting a former president of the United States and 18 other defendants. I don't want to see somebody representing the people paid for by the people behave in such a disrespectful manner 
to our justice system because that tells me she proved today to me how not only un, uh, lacking in credibility but how uh, how she is incompetent arrogant entitled and not even just having a conflict of interest uh financially from a corruption standpoint um but is completely disrespectful to the taxpayers and it, should, it should be disbarred Add to that, this is the most, arguably the most serious case ever brought in American history. Seriously. Yeah. And yet, who's who's in charge of it? An incompetent liar who is who is cheating the system. Yeah. You can't you can't have it. No. I, I don't know if you remember. There's a great movie with. Uh, I'm not going to remember the actors except for Anthony Hopkins is the guy who's tried for double jeopardy for killing his wife, whatever it is. And the DA sits there and says, I can't have this office with you in it bringing down this office. She's bringing yeah. down, she's making Georgia look foolish. Yeah, and that's I got family in Georgia, and I'm like, y'all might— yeah, I'm like y'all might want to leave that state if this is if this is the kind of leadership you got going on down there. Tom DeBacaro, thank you for being here tonight. All right, take care. Take care. All right, we're going to take a skinny, tiny little break. So uh, stick around, though. Go get yourself a refreshment and come on back. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay show. Shifting gears. We're going to shift gears from one uh, dopey, dumb Democrat woman from the ATL who's who's for at least the moment continuing in her position as district attorney. We're going to switch it all the way back over here to California, because in case y'all forgot, we've got a little uh, race out here. There's a U.S. Senate race here in California, uh, which includes such amazing notables as uh, Democrat Adam Schiff, and Katie Porter, and the amazing uh, mind that is Democrat uh, Barbara Lee. And uh, there was a debate the other night, also includes uh, Steve Garvey, uh, by the way. You guys remember him? Um, former baseball great, I guess, but from the old Padres days. Well, anyway, there was a debate the other night <laughs> in which Barbara Lee actually proposed to raise the federal minimum wage to $50 an hour. Um, man, you know what, that might sound really yummy to the low information voter, but you know, there's a whole lot of problems with that suggestion and joining me now <laughs> to discuss is Selwyn Duke. He's been on the Andrea K show before he's been writing for the new American for more than a decade. He writes for the Hill, the observer world net daily American thinker. He's all been all over TV everywhere. And he joins me now to discuss the brilliant Barbara Lee proposal. Hey, Selwyn, welcome back to the Andrea K show. Andrea, it's great to be with you. Long time. No speak. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> whose idea was this? Do you think it was hers? And, um, you know, of course, 
uh, people were coming out for this and going, oh, what, you know, really? I think Charlie Kirk tweeted out, and I still call it Twitter because nobody's buying this X business. People still call Prince <laughs> Prince, right? So people were like, well, what? Charlie Kirk was like, well, why don't we just make it $1,000 an hour or like $10,000 an hour? I mean, it, this is absolutely preposterous, but do you think this might even grow some legs? Well, I don't know if it's going to grow legs, but I can tell you this. It really is funny, Andrea, because in my article, I pointed out that the first thing I thought of was how the late Rush Limbaugh years ago would try mm-hmm. to make the point about the destructiveness of the minimum wage by using absurdity to illustrate absurdity. And he would say, OK, well, if a $15 minimum wage is good or a $20 one, why not a $50 one? And again, he was just trying to be absurd. But lo and behold, now that's exactly what Barbara (laughs) Lee is proposing in all seriousness. I mean, it's so funny. And of course, you could take it to any level. But the problem with this, with the minimum wage period, is that it prices low-skilled labor out of the market. And for that reason, it's very, very destructive. And if I may- Well, explain explain what you mean. Yeah, explain what you mean by that. Yeah. Well, if you go back to the early 1900s, you'll see that actually the black unemployment rate was lower than the white unemployment rate. But that is completely reversed. And if you go to the 1950s, I think it was, you'll see that even though we had a minimum wage law in effect from 1938, the unemployment rates for white and black teenagers were basically the same. Now, that was because by the time the 50s rolled around, there had been so much inflation that the 38 minimum wage essentially was irrelevant. It was like it didn't exist. But look, I'll illustrate it like this. You have to ask, well, how much value does a given worker bring to a business? Well, if he brings $12 an hour in value, you're not going to pay him $13 an hour. It wouldn't make any sense because you'd be losing money on the proposition. So what happens is, is if you have a minimum wage here and you can say, all right, well, I've got to pay $15 an hour and I can hire this teenager or for the same rate, I can hire a 23-year-old who's got some college education and some experience. Well, you're going to hire the latter. So what happens is, is those low-skilled workers cannot get their foot in the door, the teenagers, other people who economically are not that valuable. Mm. They can't get much-needed experience. So you're pricing them out of the market, and this is very destructive. It hits young black people the hardest because they tend to have less experience. They tend to have more trouble getting jobs for that reason. So Really, you're hurting the very people who the proponents of minimum wages purport to want to help. It's very, very destructive, Andrea. And, you know, it's funny. You take Barbara Lee, what she's doing here. Her proposal, if it went into effect, would make it so that minimum wage workers would make $104,000 annually. Okay? Well, the average American family income, I believe it is, is only $63,214. So. The whole thing is ridiculous, but you know it just destroys jobs. And there's broad yeah. consensus in the economic field that that's the case because what happens is that when you make these workers unemployable via an unrealistically high minimum wage, what happens is, well, employers, businesses have three choices. They can raise prices, they can automate Andrea, or they can shut down, okay? Well, you can raise prices to an extent But the point is you can only do that so much because it's whatever the market will bear, and at some point people won't Mm -hmm. pay them. So at that point, you have to automate in which jobs are lost or you have to shut down in which case jobs are lost. So 
It's very yeah. destructive. It really does not help anyone. No, it doesn't. And another way that it's destructive, Selwyn, is that it continues to foster the notion. And if you listen to her language, I know what worker productivity means. And that means you have to make sure that your employees are taken care of and have a living wage. And it's it's all kinds of, you know, language straight out of the Communist Manifesto. And, it you know, it's all about, you know, workers' rights. And the workers are really the ones that are keeping the business afloat. And, and as though unskilled workers are just as valuable as somebody with, you know, a, a college degree, a master's degree, high level of skill, and that's not the case, right? And another right. aspect that's troubling is, is that, it, you know, you look at these communist societies, and, you know, uh, like in, in Cuba, where bartenders make the same amount of money as a doctor, well, you know, what kind of, what, what kind of medical care are you going to get? When that's the situation, you know, minimum wage jobs were never meant to be head of household jobs. They were always meant to be the starter jobs. And, you know, and, and part of the there, there's so many different layers to this. Uh, the, the bottom line is it, it is destructive. Um, it doesn't it, it, we don't need to send the message to people that you should be able to make as much money and, you know, frosting cakes at the grocery store, um, you know, as 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 a surgeon. OK, and that's almost where they're going with this. Right. A living wage. No, you should. We shouldn't be telling people in California that come move to California. The average cost of a one bedroom apartment in San Diego is thirty five hundred dollars a month. Come here without a college degree, without any money in the bank and, you know, and get a job at the jack in the box drive through. And you deserve a living wage to be able to live in California. That's another aspect that's troubling to me. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can just try to make it in Hollywood if you move to California, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what you said is absolutely true. First of all, people will say, well, you know, it's not a living wage. As you said, these minimum wage jobs were never intended for heads of households. And in fact, in statistically, you'll see that most of the people who have them are young. I have got the stats here from Pew. 50.4% are ages 16 to 24. 24% are teenagers, 16 to 19. They're largely part-time workers, 64%. Yeah. And 42% live with a relative. 18% are a second income earner who is married with or without children. So that's the reality of the matter. And you know what is really destructive about this, Andrea? We're it's almost not, out of time, Selwyn. Yeah, Thomas Sowell made this point years ago. It's not the little money that teenagers might lose. It's the fact that they don't have that valuable job experience. They can't get their foot in the door. And the fact is, is it doesn't do them any good to put them on the street, all these young men, where they have nothing to do. Work ennobles men, as the saying goes. But on the other hand, um, an idle mind is the devil's playground. You know, how Absolutely. fewer young men, think about it, but far fewer young men might be in gangs if they could actually get jobs, if they weren't priced Absolutely. out of the market by minimum wage laws. Absolutely. Well, Selwyn Duke, tell everybody how they can read your stuff. Okay, it's at selwynduke.com, which is my own personal website, and I'm also at thenewamerican.com all the time. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea, and have a great day. Right. God bless. Thanks so much. All right, you guys, stick around. Hour two of tonight's Andrea K. Show is coming up. So uh, take a quick little break and go get some refreshments and come on back.
Andrea K, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. <laughs> Continuing this segment with our discussion about Fannie Willis and her appearance today in a courtroom. Got a couple emails. Mo says, you could put lipstick on a pig, still a pig, forgive me pigs. (laughs) Um, Mo also said, this weenie judge needs to grow a set, must have been appointed uh, by the devil Obama. Yeah, look, I mean, I kind of get what Tom Dell was saying about sometimes you've got to give people a chance to, you know, I was... he was saying you give them a chance to enough, you know, um, rope to hang themselves. You know, I wish, you know, Tom's right. I wish we had a better, a, a better analogy to use than that. But sometimes it, let's think of it this way with Alec Murdoch. One of the ways he got convicted of the murder of his wife and his son was because they just let him go on and on and on. And he just talked himself into being convicted And I think that by, you know, allowing her to behave the way she did and run on and on and on, she said a bunch of crap that she's probably soon to regret at the end. But however, it doesn't make me feel any better because clearly her behavior displays everything that's going on culturally um, in in our government, in our just every aspect of our society, particularly our institutions, her arrogance and her sense of entitlement, and I'm just going to be straight up with her, with why that where where that sense of entitlement comes from, her race. Do you think in there in any way that if the tables were turned? And she had been white sitting there on that stand that a black judge would have put up with that behavior. And do you think she would have spoken as disrespectfully to a black attorney questioning her as she did that white female merchant? Guarantee you not. And the judge should not have allowed her to speak to that attorney in that manner. Called her lady. Oh, you're cute. That's cute. No. The judge was wrong. There's no legal strategy that makes that acceptable, in my opinion. The only way the judge can redeem himself to me is for him in his ruling to excoriate her and to recommend that she not only be removed from this, but that she be disbarred. And that she be, and that, it, and that even, and uh, investigated for criminal wrongdoing with the cash situation. Because she said, I took cash from my campaign and kept it and used some of it to pay this man and pay other personal stuff, that's a crime. Of course, the lefties in the media are rushing to talk about what a brilliant job she did today. In fact, Sesame, we have a clip. It's about the middle of the stack um, from an MSNBC legal correspondent, Lisa Rubin. But I also think that Fannie Willis gave us a picture of who she is, a person who is very proudly independent. Nathan Wade had set the stage for that, but somehow from her own mouth, describing how she was raised, why she kept cash in her house, 
to the dissolution of their relationship, which basically ended, according to her, because they had very different attitudes about men and women and their roles in the world. All of that, I thought, enhanced her credibility, even if at times <laughs> she should have shut it, as somebody else at this table commented while we were watching. It, it, her credibility, because she's an independent woman? So, you know, really? I don't give a crap about somebody being independent. That That's supposed to be a selling point to me. That is so insulting to my most important lady part, my brain. How is that supposed to be a selling point? How is that supposed to enhance her credibility? She did nothing to enhance her credibility. The only thing that they can use to try to defend her today and prop her up is her genitalia. That's it despicable to me anything you want to add on this topic sesame broccolini yeah the whole girl boss narrative does it just <laughs> it really falls flat for me um but Especially also when she disrespected the other female attorney that's the thing though it's the, like fanny willis i mean her attitude is just so she's got an attitude issue Disgusting. she's also got an issue with telling people the truth and in my opinion telling people the whole story Again, it's just my opinion. It's just my theory. You're innocent until proven guilty. She's not the one on trial technically, but she did open the door to this when she launched a bogus case against Donald Trump because she had a personal vendetta that she campaigned on. She never should have been made the district attorney of Fulton County. This is a joke. I can't believe she was not expected to testify today. She's pacing around the room in her office. She hears Nathan Wade, you know, is done testifying, and all of a sudden she thinks she's in Titled to literally hijack the courtroom and start testifying and grandstanding on the stand for everybody. And this MSNBC's course correspondence takeaways that she crushed it. She did well. Whatever happened to, oh, you know, democratic norms. We've got to uphold our democratic norms. This, this was a, a hostile takeover. And she says that she's not a hostile witness, but I disagree. Fanny says, she, she said today, I'm not a hostile witness, but I think everybody in the room could see that she absolutely was a very hostile witness. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, just completely despicable. And like I said to Tom Dubacar, this you are a, a, a supposed to be in this position a public servant. And when you're busted for serving yourself at the tax... Um, uh, what's the term um, eating like a pig at the trough of the taxpayer gorging yourself in that manner. The only appropriate thing to do is to show contrition. And if you're not going to show contrition, at least don't, don't show up with that kind of arrogant, disrespectful attitude, not just to the other officers of the court and to the court, but the taxpayer. She, uh, they, uh, Mo's email to me was correct. She's an absolute pig, and she showed it today. And I guarantee you she's sitting back tonight, uh, um, you know, thinking that she's going to get away with it. And if she does, and let me tell you, one other thing Tom Dell said that was correct. I've got family trying to get me to move down to Georgia because they moved down there because of Yollywood. And I got to tell you, I'm looking at that and going, uh, I don't want anything to do with that state. That's how bad of an impression she left regarding uh, the, 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 the state of Georgia and where it stands. Despicable. But the way in which um, the and, and I and I saw a, a message uh, somebody posted on Facebook 
was it its black privilege going on there? Absolutely. Remember that uh, that um, mayor from I think it was Dalton, Illinois. I played the clip of last week with the board of supervisors confronting her on her spending mm-hmm. and use mm-hmm. of of mm-hmm. taxpayer money as she took trips all around everywhere, just like Fannie Willis, and she's like. I'm a black woman, a black woman in power. How dare you be asking me about how I spend my money? Yeah, same attitude. It's exactly what is going on across this country. Not a quest for equality. This is their idea of equity. This is their form of reparations. and, And we're not here for it. All right, we're going to take a break. We got more to talk about. So stick with us. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170 FM 96.1 and streaming all over the world. Andrea K, bringing the world a much needed reality check. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Speaking of Illinois, before the break, we were talking about uh, continuing to talk about Fannie Willis and her sense of entitlement and her attitude, which reminded me of a mayor in Dalton, Illinois last week and uh, her little meltdown. If you miss any part of the show, by the way, download the podcast wherever you get your pods and email me at andreakshow.com. Um, speaking of Illinois, there is an Illinois state rep from Naperville, uh, Illinois, named Ann Stava or Stava Murray, and she has proposed House Bill 4876, um, which amends the current uh, legislation, which is the Abused and Neglected Child Reporting Act, to state that, to amend it to state that an abused child is one whose parents deny abortion services or gender, quote, gender affirming services. Wow. We're talking about children. The definition of an abused child under the proposed bill is, quote, a child whose parent or immediate family member or any person responsible for the child's welfare or any individual residing in the same home as the child or a paramour of the child's parent denies the child access to, quote, necessary medical care, including but not limited to primary care services, abortion services or gender affirming services. The bill also states that healthcare providers would not face any form of disciplinary action if they were to perform services sought out by minors without parental consent. Shannon Adcock, founder of Awake Illinois, has spoken out against the bill, which is an assault on parental rights, obviously, saying in Illinois, parents who are considered child abusers can lose custody of their children if in this case they do not um, affirm transgender drugs, surgical surgical procedures such as penis and breast removal, uh, this is radical. This is absolutely insane. Uh, Awake Illinois further went on to say that this representative ought to meet with just one D transitioner, such as Chloe Cole. Chloe is traveling around the country uh, to talk about the. Uh, she's actually also filed lawsuits against her doctors. Uh, who transitioned her uh, under the, quote, misadventure known as gender-affirming care. Um, 
She goes on to say, uh, Stava Murray needs to be educated on the reality of children who are harmed. I, I, I don't, I, we don't need to waste that time on that. Child abuse is doing this to children. Child abuse is taking them to get abortions. And by the way, without parental consent, what I get, I guess we're not even supposed to know who's, who's impregnating children, according to this bill. This is about the state owning your children, you not having any rights, regardless of them being mutilated. It's way past time for uh, the the, uh, Congress to pass legislation. It is considered murder in every state across this country uh, to murder a child. It's illegal. It's illegal to rape a child in every state. So how is this not already made illegal in every state? Should be a federal law against it. Your thoughts, Sesame? Oh, well, I agree. I just think that a lot of lawmakers are way too worried about public backlash. They are way too worried about what the alphabet mafia will have to say about something like that. They they have shown us time and time and time again. Look at what Republican governor, is it Mike DeWine out of Ohio did recently? Uh, I mean, with, the, with that legislation, it's a great example of the fact that there, there is a powerful pro-sex chain surgeries and puberty blockers and secret abortions and anti-parents and anti-family unit sort of, you know, uh, faction in this country. They're very vocal. They're very loud. They're very engaged and organized. And it's not an excuse, but I think the real reason is that because this is, I think most people understand this is wrong. It's immoral, plain and simple. We should make it about parents' rights. That's a smart move because it is, that is a factor, but plain and simple, you know, uh, it's just ultimately wrong. That's the bottom line. It is it is an immoral thing to do, um, and it opens you know Pandora's box to so many other ills and horrible evils. Whether it's anxiety, depression, isolation, um, you know, ripping families apart, um, to destroying people's bodies. That's what it is. It's it's like murder of the soul in addition to actually destroying people's bodies um, and doing it without parents' knowledge, consent, and again, it's always preying on young people who have you know, uh, uh, more insecurity and less of a solid grip on reality, let's just say. So it's really, really frustrating, and I don't know how it's not illegal. But this is, in my opinion, one of the great evils of modern America. It's just plain and simple, it's wrong, and it should be stopped, and it should be criminalized. Yeah, absolutely. It's shocking to me as I sit here and report on this story how this is going on in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And this is Mm -hmm. just in the past few years. When the left, it's amazing the progress the left makes so quickly to the point to where they're able to get over on the minds of Americans that mutilating children, that you can change your gender. Mm -hmm. And that children at three years old can just get recruited into transgenderism and it's okay. There were chemically castrating children with off-market cancer drugs meant for adults. That this is going on in the United States of America, and nobody's really doing much to stop it. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right. Stick with us. We got enough. We got, we got more crazy <laughs> to talk about. Somebody out here in California wants to raise the minimum wage to 50 bucks an hour. We're going to talk about that with Selwyn Duke from the New American when we come back. Stick around. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.